Welcome to Crosswords, the podcast about practical Christianity. What does it look like to walk in Jesus' footsteps? How do I live in a culture hostile to godliness? These are questions that we will answer as we get our minds and heart on Jesus. Good afternoon, family. What a great time to be here on the first day of the week with the people of God. So many of us are worried about ourselves. You know, there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of uh, attention to mental health these days, how to take care of ourselves because we're living in troubled times. A lot of people are getting bullied. A lot of people are going through issues. And so how do I love myself is what I see now in social media. That theme, soul-nurturing, or self-care, actually. Self-care is a big topic today amongst this generation. And But what is love, really, and how do I love myself? You know, let's really address the core of the question. If we're talking about loving ourselves and caring for ourselves, I think that the right phrase to choose is soul-nurturing. And we're going to get into what that means in a little bit. But we have to... Go to that question. What is love? Is love all about how I feel? Because when you talk to the people of this generation and when you see, you get a, a finger on the pulse of what's on social media, everything tends to revolve around how I feel about something. And so feeling seems to be put out there at the same level of, as love. Uh, if I don't feel right about something, uh, or, or if I feel wrong about something, then it's not love. And often the feelings is really what's pushing this agenda as opposed to what love really is. Does the Bible describe love as a feeling? Or where does the heart come into play here? Uh, is the heart involved in loving? Because we know that the, we feel with the heart, our emotions, right, is something that comes from the heart. And the Bible does talk a lot about the heart. And it talks about the mind. It talks about the body, as we just sang. Loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So when it comes to self-care or, or really loving myself, does that play a role in how I ought to love others? Most of you here have been on an airplane, I think. Uh, you've taken a flight somewhere. And before the airplane goes off into the air, the flight attendant explains all the different things that, that could go wrong, and we hope and pray that we don't have to do any of those things. But one of the things that the flight attendant says is this concept of putting your oxygen mask on first. Now, it would be our impulse as parents to first put the oxygen mask on my kids, right? I want to put the oxygen mask on them first because there's an emergency. I want them to survive. But what happens, though, if I do that? I have to override that impulse to look at them first because if I put the oxygen mask on them and then I'm like, and then I pass out for lack of oxygen, then who's going to watch after them in that case? And so the flight attendants rightly say, no, parents, first put your oxygen mask on and then you can tend to your children. And it is that concept that we see also in the scripture, in the scriptures when it comes to cultivating real love in a society of self-care. And that really addresses that self-care in the right perspective. 
Let's look at some scriptures that talk about that and talk about what love is, first of all, because we have to know what love is all about. In 1 John 3.16, it says, This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us, speaking of Jesus. And we should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So really, humankind began to understand what real love is about when the Messiah was revealed to mankind. And when the Messiah fulfilled his mission of love, we want to give free reign to our passions. That's what we really want to do. But in the kingdom of God, there's a different logic. We call it kingdom logic or divine logic. And it's typically upside down. It's this concept of putting the oxygen mask on first for yourself, making sure that you know what love is and that you are loving yourself so that then you can love your neighbor as who? As yourself, right? So that gives us the clue right there. We see John speaking about this a little later in First um, John 4, 7 through 10. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Here, John tells us love is not something that's going to come out of mankind. We don't know how to love. We know how to give free reign to our impulse. And sometimes we think that's what love is. But really, that's more taking care of ourselves, not in a good way, but really isolating ourselves. And that's not the love of God. That's the love of man that goes by feeling. John says love is from God. And that's something we need to be convinced of. I don't know what love is unless I open myself to learn what love is from Christ and from what He has done for me. And it is that self-sacrifice, giving myself up, that drives the love of God. He says further in verse 8, the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. One of our favorite songs that we sing here. People throw around that word love but most of the time, it's out of the context of what the scriptures teach us. It is really a love by feeling, like I love ice cream. Why? Because it makes me feel good. <laughs> I love chocolate because it makes me feel great. And so love is associated with feeling, with something from the heart. It is not usually related to self sacrifice but God wants us to understand that verse 9 says God's love was revealed among us in this way God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him so love consists in this not that we loved God because we don't know how to do that we don't even know how to love each other we don't know how to love ourselves that's why we don't know how to love each other but God wants us wants to teach that to us he loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so in the gospel, we can get centered on what real love is about. Real soul nurturing. Jesus was asked this question during His ministry. Which command is the most important of all? And Jesus answered the song that we just sang. The most important is this. Listen, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There are no commands greater than these. So Jesus centered everybody that they needed to learn to love God. But how are we going to do that? We don't know how to love God. It's God who teaches us how to love, and He showed us that love by sending His Son. Well, guess what His Son is doing? He's teaching the, he's teaching the people, Israel. This is what love is about. We have to love the Lord our God with our entire being, He says, with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, and with our strength. This is who we are. We have a heart. We have emotions. We have a mind. We think. We have strength. We have a body. Temporary right now in this world, but we have it. And we have a soul that is eternal. And so in our quest, as we live this life, really we're living it learning to love God with our whole being. That's what we're here learning to do. And as we do that, we learn to love our neighbor as who? As ourselves. So we have to kind of backtrack. Okay, so first I have to know how to love myself so that I can love my neighbor. But in order to love myself, what do I have to do? I have to learn to love God. So it starts with the first and the greatest command. I need to learn how to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. So let's talk about these a little bit. How do I love God with all my mind? Well, what do we use the mind for? We think with our mind. We read with our mind. We listen. We take in information from our environment, and all that information is to cause us to think about it. Okay? And so one of the things that our brain does when we read, when we hear, it formulates these ideas, it formulates a perspective or what we call our world view. And God says that we need to love Him with that mind in order for our world view and our perspective to be such that we know how to put our oxygen mask on first and not lose it. <laughs> uh, and so how do I love God with all my mind? I'm reminded of Romans 10, 17. Because faith does not come from the body. Faith does not necessarily come from the soul. Certainly not from the heart. But it does come from the mind. Why do I say that? Because Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing. And hearing what? The word of Christ. So as I take in the word of Christ and make it my own as I listen to it, as I observe it, as I store it in my heart. So the heart is involved a little bit. Then my faith grows and it's built up. But faith is a matter of thinking a certain way and adopting a certain worldview. So how do I love God with my mind? I have to build my faith. That's how I do it by building my faith on the Word of God. The opposite of that is, well, sometimes we may think happiness does not necessarily come from what we think, but following 
our heart's desire. We see that idea perpetuated in the world. Do what you feel like doing. Oh, do what you feel is right. Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. And that's sort of like the mantra of Babylon, of this world. And we may think that by giving free reign to our passions that somehow we get happy or find joy. But the problem with that is that now your heart is leading your mind. And that is a very dangerous thing. God did not create our heart to lead our minds. He created our minds to lead our heart. And that's why we are the people of the kingdom who walk by faith and not by sight. Have you ever wanted to read the Bible in plain English, a language that you can actually understand and follow? Well, there is a translation like that called God's Word Translation by God's Word to the Nations Mission Society. This is the only translation of the Bible in English that follows a dynamic equivalent translation philosophy. It makes the Bible very easy to understand and it flows very naturally in the English language. You can follow along my podcast where I read to you from God's Word translation for one whole year. You can search for the podcast on Spotify or your favorite podcast reader. Search for God's Word Translation by God's Word to the Nation Mission Society. You can also look it up under my name, Pedro Gelibert. In other words, we walk by the worldview God wants to give us through the Word, through His Word, so that our hearts can be in check and not the other way around. When our mind follows our heart, we become lazy, we lack dependability, we compromise, all kinds of things go awry when we let our hearts lead. And we become like that example of the proverbial lazy person that the Proverbs talk about. But when our minds are leading our lives, then we can say that we are loving God with all our mind. Well, what does, what does the heart come into play here? Because God has given us a heart. And I'm not going to say, oh, forget about your heart. Your heart is trash. Your heart is unimportant. Absolutely not. The heart is very much a part of us. We just have to know, well, how do we love God with all our heart? What is its place in this life that God has given us? But right away, we have to remember, as Jeremiah 17, 9 teaches, that the heart is deceitful. We have to be very aware of that. It's more deceitful than anything else, the Bible will say. And it is incurable. Some versions would say it is desperately sick. And who can understand it? We know that. We don't know why sometimes we feel certain ways. We wake up one morning and say, why do I feel this way? Even the psalmist would say, Lord, why do I feel this way? Uh, oftentimes we don't understand our own heart. How can we ever then try to understand somebody else's if we can't even understand our own? But that's what our emotions are. Our emotions some days are over here, some other days they're over there. They go all over the place. And sometimes we can get carried away by them. Our in our life here, we need to learn to tame that heart with the rest of who we are, starting with the mind. Why did God give us a heart? Did He give us a heart 
so that we could surrender to it, so that we can give it free reign? Apparently not, because even straight from the beginning from Genesis, God issued certain commands. He told Adam and Eve, as Danny said, don't eat from this tree. But when they looked at the tree, and what the, how did they analyze the tree and its fruit? Not with their mind. They saw that it looked good, and that's often how we analyze things. We analyze in terms of the heart and how we feel about it. Oh, it feels great. It looks great. It must taste good. Oh, never mind what the Lord said. I want it. And so we tend to let our hearts lead. But that's what we have to understand, that our hearts are deceitful. They're not to be followed. Our hearts really are an ally. They are very helpful. Jeremiah In Jeremiah 13, God tells Jeremiah to buy a linen belt, to take this beautiful linen belt and to put it in a crevice in a river somewhere and leave it there for many days. And after that, he said to Jeremiah, and go, go pick up that linen belt that you left in that crevice. And when Jeremiah went and got the belt, what did the belt look like? After being there many days in the humidity and, and all the soil and stuff, he said that the belt was useless. And God said, that is what happens when you follow your heart. You will end up following other gods and become useless like this linen belt. There are many word pictures that God paints about a life that is all following your hearts and your passion. And God says right from the get-go, you will become an idolater, meaning your life is going to be useless. Might as well just give yourself over to them now. This parable shows how God's people can become useless to Him if we follow the stubbornness of our heart instead of learning to love God with all our heart. So how do I do that? Well, what do we do with our passions? What do we do with, with our emotions? Why is it that God gave us this heart? Fears, anxieties, doubts, hopes, desires. My goodness, what do I do with all of them? Well, brothers and sisters, it's not that hard to figure out. Because it is with these things that we can connect to each other. It is with these things that we foster this horizontal relationship that we have. That we connect with each other. That we can say, yeah, I get you. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I felt the same way. And when we use our heart to connect with each other, now the heart becomes an ally in our work here in the kingdom of God. And what am I doing now with all those passions and desires that I have? I need to surrender them. Danny's Lord's Supper lesson gave that perfect example. Did Jesus give in? Danny kept saying that he did not give in. What does that mean? That means he may have wanted to because he had a human heart. Was he not hungry after 40 days? Would he not have loved to prove Satan wrong by jumping off and saying, Ha, you see, God got me. Would he not love to say, okay, yeah, I'll take all the kingdoms of the world and then show you. I mean, like Danny said, they were his already. But Jesus refrained self-control, meaning he surrendered his heart to God. That's how we love God with our heart. We surrender our heart to him. And instead of letting it take a lead in our life, we walk by faith and use all those emotions, all those passions to connect to each other. That's where the heart can have strength and can have purpose and meaning by us connecting 
to each other in that way. As the scriptures say, love one another dearly or deeply, some versions would say, from the heart. See, that's where the heart gets involved in loving and connecting with each other in that way. Not by following it. We surrender our heart by making sacrifices, following our convictions, following our morals instead of our heart because they're typically diametrically opposed. And that's how we love God with all our heart. That's going to take our lifetime to learn how to do that, right? But that's what we're here. We're learning to love God. What about with all our soul? Well, Jesus said something. He talked about a man who tried to gather all his wealth and into some barns, and he built barns just to keep all his stuff. And then he says this, What will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits or loses his very life? Some versions would say his very soul. That word there, life, really, or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? In the Greek, that's really the word soul or suke, the breath of life. So it's talking about the soul that you have, the real you, the part of you that will live forever, the part of you that lives on after this body passes away. So we're talking here about the real you. How many of you know the real you? Oftentimes, we don't really know because all that we see in the mirror is the physical and we feel the heart. So oftentimes between the heart and the physical, it masks the real us, the us that would live forever. And Jesus says, will it benefit you to gain what your heart may want? what your eyes may see, what your body may long for, and yet you're forfeiting who you really are, the you that will live for forever. Wouldn't that be a shame that you would forfeit the real you? So this one has to do with what you value the most. Notice that we read here in Matthew sixteen twenty six, where Jesus says, what would benefit for you to gain everything that you want. So it's talking about all the physical, all the things that you can touch, see, taste, hear, and, and lose your soul. So the soul has to do with the with everything that is not that. And that's kind of hard for us to figure out, right? Because we're so used to living in a material world like Madonna sang in the 1980s, right? I'm a material girl. You know, that became a thing. I'm showing how old I am. <laughs> so... The soul is everything opposite of that. And that's kind of hard to, to figure out because we live in a material world after all. But what do we really value? What are the things that have nothing to do with the material world? What is it that you crave in your innermost being, your goal? Does it have something to do with this life Does it have something to do with something that will pass away? Like your greatest dreams and your greatest hopes for you. Does it have to do with something that in a hundred years won't be here anymore? That's how you test to see whether or not you're pinpointing where your soul is at and what you value the most. For example, does it have to do with truth? Do you value truth above all else? Do you value mercy, showing mercy to others? 
Is it what you value? Learning how to love one another. Being patient. See, because all of these things that have to do with real love, as explained in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. Love is kind. It's not self-seeking. All these things, do they have to do with the material? Not at all. These are things that are have to do with our soul, with our very soul. And those are the things that we need to build up or identify with. And then we will be people who will start learning to love God with all our soul. But if for you, if, if what you really value is money, fame, you're letting the world program into you. Now, no, these are the things that are valuable. Influence, power. As Danny mentioned, Babylon. That's, those are the things that are under Satan's influence. Is that what you really value? Are your goals centered around things like that? I got news for you. You might be on your way to forfeiting your very soul. Your very self. You've sold yourself to the devil, basically. And so loving God with all our soul is a matter of pursuing the things of the kingdom of God. Look what Jesus said here. He says, don't worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? That's what the Gentiles, the pagans, the people of the world, that's what they're after. And of course they're after that because they don't know anything else. Of course to them, the priority is going to the best college, getting the best degree, getting the best job, finding a great home, buying a great car. That's all they know. But in the process of doing that, what are they losing? They're very self. If you like this podcast, please show your support by clicking on the support link on my Anchor FM profile. This ensures I will continue producing authentic Christian content as the Lord allows me. Thank you and have a blessed day. Because Satan will not teach you to love God or yourself. You lose on both counts. But God teaches you how to love Him first so that you can love you second and third. You can spread that love to your neighbors. But you got to learn to love Him with your soul. So how do we do that? Verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things will be given to you as you go along. See, that requires trust, doesn't it? That requires that I will trust God to give me what I need. He knows what I need. And automatically when I do that, I'm telling my heart, I'm saying, no heart, you're going to surrender your passions, you're going to surrender your dreams, because they are a deception. And instead I'm going to trust the Lord by seeking His kingdom first. All the things that are eternal, that's going to become my priority. Practicality, how do I seek the kingdom first? Well, it's not that hard to do. What is the kingdom? <laughs> you are the kingdom of God. So how would I have sought the kingdom first yesterday, Saturday, the uh, 15th of July? What would, have, what would it have meant for me to seek the kingdom first yesterday? What do you think? Where should I have been? At the church picnic. 
I would have been seeking the kingdom first, right there. Wednesday night, how do I seek the kingdom first? I'm making sure I'm tuned in to the Bible class. It's not that hard to figure out. Now, you guys already know this. Because you live in a material world and you've got material bills. So you know that to pay those material bills, you got to go to your material job and work. So you know how to invest materially. But brothers and sisters, are you losing your very soul in that process? And then when it becomes time to seek the kingdom first, you conveniently become sick or, oh no, I need to rest. So that I, why? So that I can go to work Monday. Typically, that's the answer, right? Why do you need to rest today and not seek first the kingdom? I, I'm so tired and I need to rest so that I can go back to the material world and do the material things. You see how easy it can be to lose your very self in this rat race. Jesus says, seek the kingdom first. That's how you love God with all your soul. What about our strength? How do we love God with our strength? Well, this has to do with our physical existence, the body, the carnal self. This is our weakest part, the most vulnerable part, but it is temporary. One that we should really trust in the least <laughs> or value the least. Think about that parable before. I mean, that man in the parable that Jesus was mentioning, what did he trust more? He trusted more his riches and the barns that he was building to store all his wealth. And he trusted very little in his soul. I mean, he didn't even acknowledge it at all. But that's worldly logic. Don't go by that. Go by kingdom logic. If anything... I should trust the very least in anything having to do with this material realm. But see, I'm going to need a lot of faith to believe that, right? <laughs> I'm going to need a lot of faith to practice that. Correct. Which is why the mind. <laughs> Love God with all your mind. That's the first one that you really need to address. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44, he, he contrasts the weakness of our current flesh with what it will be. And I find this verse very encouraging because he talks about how we were sown in corruption. This flesh, this body, sown in corruption. To a certain extent, we can't help but be corrupt. You are corrupt. Accept the fact. Your heart is deceitful above everything. You cannot trust it. But when we are raised with Christ, we're raised in incorruption. There is hope. We were sown in dishonor. Yes, our body, our heart, full of dishonorable thoughts, our mind even. But we will be raised in glory, sown in weakness, raised in power, sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. Do we believe that's, that that's what it's going to be? Because I'm not going to be able to love God with all my strength, with all this corrupt dishonest, immoral part of me unless I believe and buy into the fact that I'm going to be raised something better than that. Because believing that will help me put into perspective what this is. If I don't believe in that, then all I have is this. 
And if all I have is this, I'm going to be a material girl. Working in the material world. Having material dreams. And so on and so forth. Our body at best is a tool. This is how the Word of God describes it. As a tool to serve God's purpose. How do I love God with all my strength? I see myself as a tool. That's how Paul described it here in Romans 6. After he talks about what baptism is and how we're raised to newness in Christ, he says, therefore don't let sin reign in this mortal body so that you obey its desires. Don't fall prey to the heart. Don't fall prey to this physical body because it's going to want things that you shouldn't have. Don't offer any parts of this body to sin. He calls it here weapons. The NIV calls it tools, tools of unrighteousness. Interesting that he calls it weapons of unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourself. What are all the parts of myself? Well, this body, my hands, my feet, my mouth, my eyes, my ears, my mind, my heart, my soul, my strength. Offer everything to God as weapons for righteousness, as tools for righteousness. So I love God with all my strength when I'm constantly thinking about what can I do with this body to serve the kingdom of God. I'm not going to be able to give God anything. He has everything. But what am I here to do to serve the kingdom of God? To help you, to help those who need to know God. Brothers that may not have had much to give, but they gave what they had. That's how you love God, with all your strength. What you use your house for, your car, your bank account, anything. What do you do with those material things that are going to be gone in a little bit? Treasure them? Keep them to yourself? Be a material person? Or serve? Use that as instruments of righteousness. That's how you love God with all your strength. There's also something else though that we need to talk about here when it comes to loving our loving God with all our strength. And that is this command in 1 Corinthians 6:18. Flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. This is a particular type of sin that is terrible for your body. Because when you sin immorally, when you commit sexual immorality, you're sinning against yourself. You're not loving yourself, in other words. I know that many are taught that, oh, you know, having a sexual relationship is so beautiful, it's so nice, it's something so nice. Yeah, within the context of marriage, absolutely. That's God's goal for you. But outside of that context, it's actually the opposite. It could be very detrimental to your spiritual growth, to your emotional growth even. Because you're sinning against your own body, not to mention sinning against God as well. And so when it comes to this, God says, flee. That's how you love God with all your strength. Flee sexual immorality. Just like, just like Joseph did. See that, that little picture there? That was Joseph fleeing from Pharaoh's wife in this situation. Our strength, if we have a lot, we're strong, able to help many. 
Some of us may think, well, I don't have much, so I may be a little weak. But you use what you have. Look at all the great men of God. Moses, all he had was a stick. Moses says, I don't know what to do, God. What do you want me to do? I don't want to do this. How am I going to do this? And God says, what do you have in your hand? A stick. He says, that's what you're going to use. Ask yourself, what do you have if you don't think you have much? But you at least have a body. You have something. Use that to serve God. Use it as instruments of righteousness. And that's how you love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. I hope I gave you some practicals on doing that. This is the quest that you're on, to learning who the Lord our God is. And one of the ways that he starts explaining who he is to Moses is in Exodus 34, 6 through 7. Some time ago, actually before the pandemic, if you can remember that long ago, I taught on a series on God's character based on this very scripture. And we walked through these scriptures learning quite deeply how amazing the Lord God is and how worthy he is of being loved with all your heart, soul, mind and strength because the Lord our God he describes himself as a compassionate and gracious God do you want to learn how to be compassionate and gracious because that's part of what makes love be love he maintains faithful love well actually before that he is slow to anger abounding in faithful love and truth these are all the things that are of eternal value that we as people should seek to identify ourselves with so that we can be people who can love God with all our soul, pursuing these very things that God is. Truthful, love, faithful, compassionate, gracious, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. Those are the things that ought to characterize His kingdom because that's who He is. And so His kingdom should reflect those very things that He is at the core. So brothers and sisters, go forth and continue learning how to follow this, the greatest command. Because in doing so, you will be able to fulfill also the second command, which is just like the first one, loving your neighbor as yourself. God bless you. Have a good day.